today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We've talked about cyber crimes and things of this nature, and we've talked about uh, the new digital age. I mean, that's just the 21st century, and we want our country, we want Canada to be a part of that. A uh, new report, though, indicates that uh, we could well be letting a good deal of our intellectual property just fly right out the door. Other countries are actually taking stake on what we have been inventing and developing over the last little while. It's a rather troubling story. Uh, here to talk about it is uh, Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University. Elliot, a pleasure to have you back on the program, uh, especially on a subject such as this. I mean, we, you know, we're, we want to think that we're going to be at, at near the front of the pack when it comes to innovation and, and new ideas and new technology, but it doesn't do as much good if somebody else takes the patent for it, does it? Well, uh, good morning, Bill. The, there's more than one story here. The yeah. particular story is us and our productivity and intellectual property. The other is the role of the Chinese and intellectual property and the future. So those are two quite different uh, but inter- closely interrelated subjects. The first is that um, the newspaper headline is that Canada lets other countries come in and, and sign up things, and nine out of ten of the patent-leading uh, countries are, you know, you, this is the story in the National Post, that nine out of ten of the countries are signing up patents uh, in terms of numbers are foreign, particularly Chinese and American. This yeah, is not, all nine American and, Yeah, nine of the ten are, are either Chinese or American. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's, there's nothing covert about this. This is the way our world has been working, that you can come into Canada, you can... And we invite people in. We invite for foreign investment. We look for partnerships. The fact is that very aggressive companies are coming in and in a very open and legitimate way, signing up agreements that control intellectual property. There's nothing nefarious about it, uh, except in this case it also happens to be China. And then, as we know, uh, I want to lead off the top of this conversation. It's now day number 942 in captivity of the two Michaels in China. Let me ask you about that, because we've had a very fulsome discussion about vaccines ever since the first days of this pandemic, when we knew that they were trying to get a vaccine, uh, and and God bless them, they did it in such an an extraordinarily short period of time. But there was a a large hue and cry, and I think some have justified that, well, Canada hasn't, we're not even in the race. You know, we gave all our our pharmaceutical companies away. We we didn't do that. The government didn't support them. So we were at the behest of the rest of the world. The concern I've got with this story, Elliot, is the same thing going to happen with intellectual property, where we're simply letting all these other countries sign these patents uh, for intellectual property, and we're going to be a buyer instead of a producer? Yes, that's the part of the thrust of that story, is that people have been raising the alarm for quite some time, saying Canada really doesn't have a plan about what to do with intellectual property, whereas other countries do, and China most particularly and especially does, and we can come back to that. The, the particularly Canadian aspect of this is that we have been apparently very slow at transforming our research capacities into business opportunities. Uh, great universities like my own do uh, research, and, and it's cutting edge, and it's globally sought after successfully in open, uh, open and above board ways to, uh, to gather up what should be the business opportunities based on our research. We just, this is a long-standing issue, by the way, it's a, this is a side note, but the whole question of Canadian productivity, perhaps you should get an economist in to talk about this. The former head of Statistics Canada made a particular campaign of his. The productivity uh, lag in Canada is closely related to the intellectual property lag 
uh, because the intellectual property lag means the, the future economies are being taken over by others and not by us, even though it may be based on our research. You're right. We've done a number of stories of this over the years. We've got some incredibly brilliant people here that are doing some fabulous, innovative work at universities right across this country. You're absolutely right. The problem is, as, as we've talked to these economists about this, uh, is we don't do a very good job of what they call monetizing it. In other words, where's Correct. the practical use of this concept or this idea or this product uh, so that it can benefit the world and, and you know, it can be produced, etc.? cetera? Uh, we tend to just let somebody else come in and take it from there after the, after the inventive and development ideas and let them do the monetization well if that's what they're going to do Elliot then they're the ones who benefit from it yes and, and we've had global champions in the past uh, Nortel and Blackberry uh, Rim and so forth but then they tend to fade over time and uh, the, the separate separate and second aspect of this however is the Chinese dimension of it the fact that it's China has made the headlines and I think we should take a broader look at what China is up to. China is a very, in a very systematic way, plans to dominate the economy of the future, or to put it in their terms, the commanding heights of the future economy. The global economy will be set by China. They are acquiring intellectual property. This has been a long-standing concern, again, above board, uh, that if you go into China as a business and remember this is the world's second largest economy it's dynamic it's here this isn't an emerging economy it's an emerged economy if you go in there you have to sign, basically sign over your intellectual property rights in order to do business in china uh, and again, again this is all above board regular ordinary methods of doing business of technology ip intellectual property transfer to china then there's the other dimension that china is on a uh, a planned global um, horizon moving upwards and upwards to emerge as the dominant economy, the do dominant state by the middle of, of this century. And, and uh, there's a plan. And that's, that's the key point um, that's being made by that article and that uh, perhaps we should pay attention to, that China has a definite and specific plan whereas Canada does not, that article goes on to say, you know, we, we try some of this, we try some of that, but we don't really have a focused, focused way of doing business. In 2020, uh, China released a, a, a formal plan <laughs> for dominating the future in terms of setting the rules, not only just acquiring intellectual property, uh, but also setting the rules for the use of intellectual properties in, in uh, the high-tech sector. They have a uh, they had a 20 um, they had again this is this is something that's i think the bigger picture here although it's certainly for us having an industrial plan and what to do with our economy is certainly <laughs> certainly important but in terms of geopolitics the whole role of china and what its future is going to be and how it affects canada and other countries that's really the story and and china has a very specific plan to dominate intellectual property, the, the economies of the future, and they are moving systematically, including in the ways that this story highlights, uh, to achieve it. 
and, and that's all based. I know that the, I think you're referencing the speech, uh, speech rather that G made last year, basically saying go out into the world, find the best, and 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 let's bring these innovative ideas. Uh, and you're right. He talked about short-term and long-term goals. I mean, this is this is a plan for the future, simply not for next week. And I guess what a lot of economists are looking for here, Elliot, is is for our government to to have that same sort of approach. Like, where is the game plan for future development of of IT of intellectual properties and ideas here? And and doesn't seem to be one of any magnitude anyway. Well, it's a question of is there a coherent and integrated plan because certainly Canada now has established research chairs at universities. I mean, this is where I get to see them. Uh, there's there's uh, clusters now being planned in Canada uh, so that you can have a, a region and a, and a technology or a particular business sector uh, and Canada will invest in it. So there's, it's not that Canada is just sitting idly by and doing nothing. It's just that China uh, is using its muscle to basically elbow out the U.S. and to take over uh, the future. So the, what we're talking about is the kinds, of, the kinds of economies that the future will need are going to be under control of China. The Belt and Road Initiative, which you and I, have, I think, have talked about in the past, uh, has been, in a sense, to dominate the old sector. The, all roads will lead to Beijing in terms of resources. But now they're doing it intellectually as well. All of the intellectual property of the world that's required to create the industries of the future, those two will go through Beijing. They have a plan and they intend to achieve it one way or another. You and I have been talking about the open, visible, uh, legitimate, approved method of acquiring intellectual property. But, of course, we know that China also engages in other forms of acquisition of intellectual property. Well, and that's under investigation right now, is it with the, the, the lab in Winnipeg and a few other things that are going on about just how that whole thing unwound, and that's uh, to be established, I guess, at some point in the future. The other element of this, you talked about the, the stuff that's going on above board, which is, we understand most of this, uh, are trade deals. And, and we you know we know about the new NAFTA and things of this nature and the, and the Trans-Pacific and, and all these other deals that we hear about. Uh, and the intellectual property thing is, is one of the things that's always negotiated there, but gets very little attention uh, from the media and certainly not from governments. And the concern I'm seeing in, in the, the piece that was written about this, Elliot, suggests that maybe we're being a little too lenient in, in allowing access to our, our, our technologies and innovative ideas in these trade deals, that we need to be a little more protective of what, what is ours. Yes. Uh, I followed the NAFTA renegotiation very closely. as you, I think you and I talked about it quite a bit at the time. The intellectual property component was one of the, the items that held up the signing of yeah. the new NAFTA, even after Donald Trump changed his opinion and wanted to get the thing signed so he could clear the decks so he could turn around and face China. Uh, but uh, Canada really was holding out on, on certain issues about IP, intellectual property. That's a two-way street. We can't say, yes, we, we want to have trade deals uh, and we're going to keep you out but we want access to yours. So these, these, in, these very broad-based trading agreements covering all kinds of things, including intellectual property, have to be negotiated very carefully. And I have, in this case, high confidence in our negotiators as being um, able to see to it that, yes, if you're able to come into Canada, we're able also to, to uh, do what we need to do abroad. But intellectual property is a very hazy area. How do you even define it is, is a subject uh, often of debate. 
Well, certainly it is. And I remember those negotiations, and the intellectual property was a stumbling block for this. But the problem is, is if we're looking for X, Y, and Z from, from the, the country that we're negotiating with, oftentimes they'll say, okay, we'll give you X and Y, but we want more access to international. Yeah. And, and we've got to be cautious about that. I mean, and you're right, you can't slam the door and say you can't do that. You're not going to get a deal. Uh, but we have to be wary of the impact this is going to have long term as well. I mean, the term I kept hearing uh, that's happening here is we have a, you know, an international property trade deficit in this country right now. And yeah. that, that can be a dangerous thing and the way that things are happening with China and other economies. Yes, that's a, that's a uh, NIP gap, yeah. <laughs> NIP uh, deficit. Uh, those are useful terms that I think we'll come back. We'll see more of. I think that's going to be moving to the, to the center of how things work in the world. Right now, we still do a lot of business as hewers of wood, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. deliverers of water. Uh, somebody once said, sorry, what's wrong? so what's wrong with that? China, again, to come back to this, there is a global competition. We have to be competitive. Canada is a trading nation, uh, and therefore open, free and open trading arrangements, transparency, rules of law, uh, sticking to the rules of the road, all of that is part of how Canada can succeed in a, in a globalizing world. We, we, globalization is taking a bad rap right now, and for good reason. That opens up another subject, but uh, the fact is uh, Canada is a trading nation. We overly rely on a single market, if that was brought home to us again because of the NAFTA negotiations. The seeking of other trading arrangements, balanced trading arrangements across the Atlantic, across the Pacific, has been a, a, a legitimate goal for a long time, largely achieved, not completely, but some success. All of that still depends on keeping an eye not on the past but on the future. That's going to be the, the domain where those nine out of ten being U.S. and Chinese patents in Canada come into play because those two giants are competing very self-consciously for the domination of the future economy. Who's going to set the rules of the road in the future? China has made the determination that they are going to be setting the rules or largely uh, involved in setting the rules for the future and that's a different kind of world than the one we have lived in so far. We've been sort of concentrating on Canada playing defense in this whole thing. What about playing offense? What about the other side? Could we do a better job of going out and seeking some of this and, and better negotiation of these deals uh, so that Canadian companies could actually uh, be on, on, the, on the offensive side of this and, and start acquiring some high-quality IP rights from other countries? I'm not sure we're not doing that. We are a middle power. We punch above our weight. I'm giving you the cliches now. Sure. <laughs> the self-perception of Canada is that we are middle power. We punch above our weight. Um, I do have confidence in the negotiators uh, because we all had to pay close attention during the NAFTA renegotiations, and that took us back to the original NAFTA. So I, you know, and I'm in Ottawa, so I get to talk to people about these mm-hmm. things. So I think I don't think we're lagging behind because we lack negotiating skill or because we lack, um, you know, what we do lack is heft. What we, what we do lack is the weight of a big power. We need to carefully evaluate, and I suspect that's going on now, because I hear behind the scenes Canada, through foreign affairs, is going to come out with a new Indo-Pacific strategy any time now. Other countries have already done that. But how, how do you keep a, 
to bring in another phrase that's going to be in the news, a free and open Indo-Pacific, how do you keep an open trading system and opening, uh, an open and free um, intellectual property transfer, in this case system, in the face of an emerging China, which is a, by its own definition, you know, this is the, not China, it's the People's Republic of China, which means the Communist Party of China, which means they play by those rules and advertise an alternate way of governing to free and open societies like ours, where we meanwhile are open and free for them to come in and invest. So it, we, are, we are watching a struggle for the future right now. Uh, Canada will play its role. Huawei factors into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> in our case, very specifically, because Huawei is a chosen champion by a mercantilist uh, policy of China. They, they use companies to advance their ambitions abroad, and this is one of their chosen companies. So they, uh, and then we have Meng Wanzhou. So this, all of this comes into, into play as Canada faces a changing world, and how do we maneuver within it? On that uh, question, which I don't think is rhetorical, it does deserve an answer. Uh, we have to back it up. We're just about out of time. Elliot, thanks so much for your, uh, spending some time with us today. Really do appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Take care. Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.